It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Six the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. It is a Tuesday. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Let's get this out of the way right off the bat. Trigger warning. Warning. This show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, Torons, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. So this is just going to make your morning. It really is. So President Biden was on Al Sharpton's television show on MSNBC. (laughs) What could possibly go wrong? Biden, Al Sharpton, MSNBC. So, of course, they completely understood all of the right-wing positions. I mean, it's not like they only talked about left-wing stuff, right? Okay. And so Al Sharpton talked about another presidential run. Biden tells Sharpton he will run for president again in 2024. What? Here's the quote. I'm going to do it again, Biden says. As he posed for a photograph in the Roosevelt Room with Sharpton, he is also a Sharpton, of course, an MSNBC host. While Biden allies said he will seek re-election, he shied away from declaring it unequivocally. You know, but he does say, "Oh, I will go ahead and run for re-election." Now, at this point, I don't think that Biden really knows what he's talking about. Oh, by the way. Since yesterday, I was talking about all of these different intros, and now I do have. An intro for the vice president of the United States, which is the song, If I Only Had a Brain. But Biden, so far, I've stuck with this. Unless you can think of something better than that. I thought the snoring one sounded just fine. Now, this is the president who wants to run again, or so he says. I don't think within, and I I don't really say this lately, I mean this, within the next couple of years, he's going to even remember that he's president. Honestly, do you think he can? Because he forgets so many things. Like the other day, when he was giving a speech, and he asked if a certain congresswoman was in the room, and he knew, or he was supposed to know, that just a couple of weeks ago, she died in a car crash. I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here to help make this a reality. He was looking for Indiana Congresswoman Jackie Walorski, but she and her two staffers were killed in a car accident last month. In fact, the White House put the flag, the American flag, at half staff. They had a whole ceremony. The White House press secretary has a hard job. 
was naming uh, the congressional champions on this issue and was acknowledging her incredible work. There will be a, a bill signing in her honor this coming Friday. Uh, so, of course, she was on his mind. Said, Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? She must not be here. No, I totally understand. I just, I just explained she was on top of mind. John Lennon, top of mind just about every day, but I'm not looking around for him anyway. When you sign a bill for John Lennon, Lennon as president, then we can have this conversation. See, this is someone who's desperately trying to defend. Why not just come out and say it? But they can't. And, and that's the part that gets me about not just this administration, but many presidential administrations. You can't just honestly tell us what's going on. You got to try. You got to try garbage like this. And do you honestly think we're buying it when when the press secretary says stuff like that? Is she saying it and thinking, okay, obviously everybody bought that. Everybody's believing what I'm saying because I said it. Yeah, what it does is it just sows mistrust, not just with conservatives, but there's even liberal Democrats who voted for Biden that are shaking their heads going, no, that's just, no. And I have, remember, I, I said this when Biden was the nominee, when he became the nominee from the Democrat Party. My answer, having cared for my dad for six years through Alzheimer's and then helped other people care for a while as well, I know this intimately. I know what I'm seeing here. I know, I know exactly what I'm watching. And he is cognitively slowly losing it. Now, how fast this progresses, it depends on the person. There's no real answer for that. But it is progressing. He's not what he was just a few years ago, which is why, and the, the press, most of the news, well, so-called news media, they're really not anymore, really don't highlight stuff like this, although they should. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him in a uh, foot. Oh, that Excuse was me. inspiring. That's all, all rise, please. Salute the President of the United States. Then, let's see, there was... Uh, the only way to spare more pain and more loss, the only way these millstones no longer mark our national mourning, these milestones, I should say, no, no longer mo mark our national mourning. You guys just don't understand. What he's trying to say is when you have a tree that's leaning over the fence, then it's only going to be like a parked car anyway. So just make sure that, you know, when the door's closed, that the windows are always on fire. i just making sure we have a translator to help you get through whatever the president's trying to say. In most cases, he's trying desperately to be inspiring, but he doesn't even know what room he's in. We've always found ways to come together. We can find that unity again. Then the message said, end of message. I'm on Burgundy? Dammit, who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? For the last time, anything you put on that prompter, Burgundy will read. And that's pretty much what we're dealing with right now. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the... Go, you know the, you know the thing. I do, I know the thing. You know the thing. I do, I know the thing. You know the thing. I said, what's the thing?
if I manage to make it through this week, I would like my street jacket to be black leather and my helmet to sparkle. Thank you. 620 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. All right, so since I was talking about the president this morning, who did say, oh, no, I'll be running again for president in 2024. He said that yesterday. I doubt he remembers today saying it. And we'll see if he remembers in the next couple of years, if he remembers even that he's president. And I'm not saying that lightly. I mean, no, really, he is slipping quite a bit. All right, so from Cowboy State Daily, President Biden raids oil reserves as some decry energy vulnerability. Now, when I saw that headline, I thought, hang on, we do have a problem here, big problem. The president has been reaching in to the strategic oil reserve to try to bring down gas prices, which doesn't work because it's more refinery than anything else. Yes, we do need to drill for more oil here in the United States. Yes, obviously. And we have supply chain problems, too. That needs to be fixed. And a lot of government, if a lot of government bureaucracy were to get out of the way, that would certainly help. I mean, a lot. So draining the strategic reserve really doesn't do a whole lot, but he's doing it anyway. But as that reserve gets lower and lower, and that's supposed to be for an emergency, you know, wartime. But as that reserve gets lower and lower, we're not refilling it. Now, we could. We have plenty of oil. We could get back to work refilling that. Here's the story. Joe Biden began dipping into the Strategic Petroleum Reserve last year to curb historically high inflated gas prices. Remember, those gas prices did not go down because of that supply and demand. People started driving less, not just personally, but businesses as well. Now that gas prices are no longer historically high, the U.S. reserve is at a historic low. That's the result of the president playing politics, critics say. Quote, the intent was to use the reserve as a tool of energy security not political expediency to save customers a few cents on a gallon of gasoline. Rob Wallace, former staff director, U.S. Senate Energy Natural Resource Committee, and assistant secretary of Fish and Wildlife Parks and so on. So the U.S. government began discussing the need for an oil reserve back in World War II, which would make sense that we would want a strategic reserve for that reason. Now, what do we do to refill that? Now, I know President Trump was beginning to refill that. And actually, we had gotten quite a, quite a ways into refilling that after other presidents have drained it for reasons that had nothing to do with national security. So Biden began drawing from the reserve last November. Since March, Biden issued emergency orders authorizing release of about 190 million barrels including exchanges in required uh, statutory required sales. When the most recent authorized Biden releases were complete, that should bring the total reserve down to about 360 million barrels, the lowest since 1983. That effort contributed to a decline in prices, according to the Energy Information Administration, But, again, there's other economists out there saying that's not what lowered the price. It's because you folks out there were driving less for personal reasons and for businesses. Earlier this month, U.S. Energy Secretary told Reuters that the administration won't rule out 
further releases from the reserve. So how low are we going to get this thing? At some point, we should re restock that. It's a good idea, I believe, to have that. We get into some kind of uh, conflict somewhere. It's a good idea that we have, not only that we're energy independent, but we have a reserve ready to go. One of the few smart things your government ever did. By the way, we don't need the strategic helium reserve. That was a World War I thing. Yeah, because the, the Zeppelin was a thing back then. And so that's why we had this strategic helium reserve. We can get rid of that. That can get closed down. But they never close it down because, you know, government never shuts anything down and it starts. But if anything, let's get back to filling that sucker back up. I know environmentalists are going to hate the idea. I don't care. It should be filled back up again. Gee, I wonder where we could get that stuff, huh? Not like we don't have it all over the place. So... Here's a quote. That's when you really get into trouble if people believe there's going to be a shortage and everybody heads to the gas station. That's when we'll wind up in, in trouble. Like the toilet paper panic. The great toilet paper panic of 2020. Besides the energy insecurity low stockpiles, so, hang on a second. I just realized that's, that's a good line, energy insecurity. We oftentimes hear about food insecurity, which is definitely a thing. There are people out there who suffer from what would be called food insecurity. In other words, as they go through their day, they're not quite sure that they're going to get enough to eat during the course of the day. They need to find a way to make more money. And when it comes, well, in, into bad economic times, that can be very difficult. So there are people, individuals, whole families that suffer through food insecurity. What about energy insecurity? Well, and that could be not just the fuel in your vehicle, but the electricity in your house keeping warm this winter. There's energy insecurity as well. And a lot of that energy insecurity is brought on directly by the Biden administration. And for that matter, states like California and so on. Hey, we're going to go all wind and solar, which makes us energy insecure because it's unreliable energy. And we're going to drain our strategic oil reserve. There's fuel to get around. There's energy insecurity right there. And then, of course, when it comes to propane, natural gases, you know, and other ways to make electricity or just heat your home and make it through the winter, there are people who can suffer from energy insecurity. Now, there's a way to get rid of energy insecurity, produce more energy. Because when energy is produced at a higher level, not only is it just more available, but it becomes less expensive. So people who are not making a whole lot of money don't have to worry so much about whether they're going to be able to heat their home or whether they're going to be able to drive their car or cook, even just take a hot shower. Because we're not energy insecure when the country is producing enough energy. So here we have an administration who's been putting the squeeze on American energy, our ability to create it, and the reliability of it. That's what this administration has been doing. And again, many in the Democrat Party across the United States, I point to California as one example of that. So if you want to get rid of energy insecurity in America... 
the answer to that is let the producers produce more energy. And if you're thinking, well, they're going to do it at a higher price, no, actually. It's like Walmart. Walmart is not so successful because the prices are so high. Walmart is so successful because the prices are so low. And so people use more of it. If you want to make sure that America is energy secure, just get out of the way and let the producers produce more of it. And when you hear the complaints come from the environmentalists, I, I believe in doing things clean, of course. I want clean air. I want clean water. CO2 is not a pollutant, so don't worry about that. But to keep clean in other ways, absolutely. But to say that we can never use it again? Rhiannon, poor danger. We all know, Glenn, that Biden won't let us become energy independent. Yeah. And for that matter, just like some suffer through food insecurity, we're suffering through energy insecurity, all of us, because of this president and the administration and several governors of several states. Coming upon some local news we got to take care of. We're going to roll into your weather forecast right after that. Triple Eight Ninety Seven Woods, wake up, Wyoming. Six thirty-six at time. It's wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. All right, so we're in that time of year that I just absolutely love, which is fall. Fall really is my favorite time of year. And I just in case you didn't know, I was born just, you know, uh, essentially moments before Halloween. I am a October 30th baby. I kept telling my mom that I wanted to be a Halloween baby. And maybe if she could have hung on just a, another couple of minutes, her answer to me was, and I quote, wanted you the hell out of there. So I'm, I'm almost a Halloween baby, but never quite made it. Still, though, on my birthday, everybody got dressed up in Halloween costumes, and I assumed it was all for me. And it's the only, as a kid, the only day out of the year that I was allowed just to walk right out of the house at night. My parents encouraged me to, and I could go anywhere I wanted across the neighborhoods and knock on the doors of complete strangers and ask for candy. Try doing that any other time of the year, but that's my birthday, which is why I love this holiday so much. Now, you got to be careful, though, because every single Halloween, here comes the politically correct crowd. You know, the buzzkills. Last Halloween, there was a town in Washington State that we're all going to celebrate Halloween at their elementary school, and they're going to let all the kids dress up in Halloween costumes, but this is what they told the kids. But, girls, you can't dress like a witch. There was a woman from the local Wicked chapter that was offended... By the stereotype. <laughs> Wait a minute. Excuse me, but if you're getting offended because you're a witch, you should be. <laughs> I've read about you people. You tried to throw Hansel and Gretel in an oven. You're poisoning apples. You're riding around on brooms. You got a big fat nose. You got warts sticking out of your face. You're throwing curses on everybody. If anybody deserves to be offended in this country, it's a witch. If I offend you and you're a witch, I don't know, isn't there a potion for that? 
Maybe some bat wings, some lizard legs, some rutabagas. Mix them up in a cauldron, drink it all up. Because I'm thinking, if you control the universe with your incantations, why, you'd have bigger fish to fry than being offended by a six-year-old in striped socks and a pointed hat trying to score a Kit Kat bar to Halloween, you dork. Put a helmet on! And slam it down tight. Oh, stop the presses. We're offending witches now. Lord have mercy. Count your blessings. At least we stopped burning you at the stake, you big baby. Now that. (laughs) Also, be very careful around Halloween when we get there uh, of the socialists. And looks like you've done really well for yourself. Yeah, yeah, I was walking all over the neighborhood farther than anyone else. Hey, what, what, what are you doing? That's my candy. Oh, you didn't earn that. Sharing is caring, you know. There are kids out there who are less fortunate and can't afford a costume this year. Yeah, well, they can go out and mow lawns and earn money like, like I did. Here you go, kid. They were out there trick-or-treating. But they're the less fortunate. But they never left the house. I did all the work. Well, and you know, I'm afraid there's just not enough here. We're going to have to ask you to go out and get some more. But, but... Be back by nine. That's bedtime. See you later. So there's always the socialists. One thing, I, I remember even as a kid, I was uh, I brought some candy that I had, by the way, it wasn't Halloween candy. I had worked for it and earned some money. And with some of the money that I had earned as a little kid, I bought some candy. And since we were bringing lunches to school at the time, I brought some of that candy with me from my lunchbox. And the teacher asked, did you bring enough for everybody? And I said, no, they can go out and mow lawns too if they want I, I worked for this. If you would like what I have here, there's a way to get it. You get out there, you do some work, you earn some money, and then you go ahead and buy whatever you want to buy. How about that? Oh, but no, no, no. We have to share. Beware of those people. You come back with your Halloween candy, right? Well, we're all going to spread it out on the floor and split it up equally. Hell, we are. I'm the guy who walked all over these neighborhoods, knocking on all of these doors and so on. By the way, I hate the idea of trunk or treat, where you go up, the kids walk around in the parking lot, everybody's trunk. I like it all better because I know not everybody in Wyoming lives in the neighborhood. They go to the downtown area and they trick-or-treat at the stores. At least that's a little closer to going through neighborhoods and so on, which... Of course, is traditionally how you're supposed to do this. 642, Wake Up Wyoming. A pleasant and a good morning, everyone. The weather is going to be pretty nice as we roll through the next few days here. Really, through the weekend, there's nothing bad coming. The system that has been hanging around since late last week, bringing occasional rain showers and thunderstorms to the region. Well, it's about done. There may be some light showers and sprinkles around the Laramie and Cheyenne area today. The rest of the state likely dry. Then dry high pressure comes in for some really nice October weather for tomorrow 
and Thursday. There's a bit of a cold front that'll sideswipe the eastern counties of Wyoming Thursday night and Friday, maybe producing a few showers, making Friday a little cooler than it looks like a, a pretty decent weekend. The weekend, we'll see temperatures that'll be comfortable. Skies, it'll be to partly to mostly sunny. I think over the weekend, there may be some showers in the southern mountains of the state, especially on Sunday, but a pretty good weekend is coming our way. Starting with one store in 1978, Boot Barn has become the largest Western and workwear retailer in the nation, supporting those who feed, build, and protect America. We offer the largest selection of cowboy boots, work boots, Western wear, workwear, and outdoor gear. With over a half a million pairs of boots and thousands of top quality jeans and clothing, it's an honor to support the people who make our country so great. Boot Barn. Keep West. Jump off Interstate 80 and onto the best-kept secrets Southern Wyoming has to offer. Did you know Carbon County is home to two national scenic byways? The Snowy Range is Laramie's gateway to the Platte Valley and a great detour off the interstate. The Battle Pass Scenic Byway connects encampment to the Little Snake River Valley. The Carbon County Visitors Council promoting tourism and events throughout the county and throughout the entire year. Check out wyomingcarboncounty.com for more information or call 307-324-3020. Carbon County, Wyoming. Get your West on. In Wyoming, we are choosing to exercise our right to vote in 2022. And in this election, we want you to vote confidently. This year, feel more secure than ever. Bring your ID on Tuesday, November 8th. We want you to go to your polling place feeling confident that your vote is being cast securely. Learn more at letsvotewyo.org. This message is from the Wyoming Secretary of State's office. Your day weather forecast is calling for partly to mostly sunny skies today. Temperatures are going to be mostly 50s and 60s. There will be a few sprinkles, light showers in the southeast, dry elsewhere. Clear tonight, lows in the upper 30s. Sunny to partly sunny, two delightful days, Wednesday and Thursday. Highs will be mostly 60s, lows will be mostly 30s to low 40s and dry. We have a front that will bring a few showers to the far east Thursday night and Friday morning. Friday is going to be a little cooler, mostly 50s to near 60. Then as we work our way into the weekend, looks nice. Highs will be 60s, lows will be 30s and low 40s under sunny to partly sunny skies, although over the course of the weekend, there might be a little bit of shower activity over near the southern mountains, mainly on Sunday. Have yourself a great morning. I'm Day Weather Meteorologist. 648 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off to the icebox we go. Frank Gambino is waiting by. Uh, Frank, if you're a protester and you want to protest something and get everybody's attention, probably not safe to do it on the football field. No, because uh, you will end up being tackled hard yes. by a professional football player. Yeah. That was Seattle's Bobby Wagner. Uh-huh. For, um, this guy got out on the field, or for whatever, and if not for Seattle, but Bobby Wagner, you got, this guy got on the field with like a smoke bomb kind of a thing, and yeah. he's running around. Yeah. One player said, okay, I'm going to take care of this, and then Wagner beat beat the other guy to the punch. Okay, so, so just, who could get there first wins the prize? Well, yeah, and he was yeah. only like four feet away. I'm like, yeah. this guy, are you kidding me? Why are you running yeah. next to 90 guys that could kill you? Right. <laughs> now, when I take a, a look at this guy, and I won't say who he's with because that just gives them, you know, all sorts. It's, it's an activist group. And he's uh, not in bad shape. This guy's got some good leg muscles and arm muscles. But he's not football player size. No. You know, and so when he gets out there running around with that smoke bomb as he's – and this does not get people to want to join his cause. This makes people think, oh, for God's sakes, put him down. 
Yeah, you know, the, and, the only regrettable thing is yeah. that Wagner didn't hit him harder. There you go. So still, though, he was hit pretty good and got slammed to the ground. I think I agree with you because the guy was able to get back up. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> that I was mean. my complaint. But still, though, I, you're going to get out there on a football field and get knocked down like that. Of course you are. So I wonder, did the protester think, well, if I do this, I'm going to get tackled probably by more than one guy? He should have thought of that. Um, it, it was a distinct possibility. Yes, okay. <laughs> but then, any, any one of those guys is, is a professional football player Yeah, would have no problem with that. None whatsoever. Now, the next thing is, for all of the fans up on, in the stands and for those people watching on television at the time, I don't think that this protester is winning them over to his cause. At this point, people are hoping that he's going to get tackled hard by the biggest guy out there. So if you want to win people over to your cause, don't make a jerk out of yourself in the middle of somebody else's football game. Agreed. Okay. That's yeah. all we need to know. All right. College football, the Wyoming Cowboys will try and pick up the pieces after a 33-16 loss to San Jose State on Saturday night in Laramie to drop them to 1-1 one and one in Mountain West Conference play and 3-3 three and three overall. UW defense really was chewed up by the Spartan offense, and that group has got to start making plays on third down, especially in third and long situations. San Jose State at over 300 yards passing, so the screws need to be tightened all over the place in that secondary. Cowboy offense had just 110 yards passing, but she Sheridan native Parker Christensen did catch a TD pass, but on that end, there is really not a whole lot to write home about, and head coach Craig Bull saw some deficiencies um, firsthand. We got took to the woodshed. We got beat by a good football team. I knew it would be a challenge going in. Uh, We didn't play our best game, but I certainly don't want to take anything away from San Jose State. I think they've got an excellent team. For us, um, you know, we certainly need to improve up front uh, against you know, a, a hectic front that New Mexico is going to give us. I thought that was probably the first time I saw our o- offensive line uh, out of whack. So the Cowboys hit the road for Albuquerque on Saturday night with a game with New Mexico. That's a 5 p.m. kickoff. Well, that for you on K2 Radio and Casper and KOWB in Laramie. As the NFL, some really bad news for the Denver Broncos. They'll lose running back Javante Williams for the season with a severe knee injury suffered in their 32-23 loss to Las Vegas on Sunday. Williams tore his ACL and his LCL. That's a, just a huge loss for the offense as he was the team's leading rusher through the first three games of the season. Outside linebacker Randy Gregory could be out two to six weeks with a knee injury of his own. He joined the Broncos this season with a five-year, $70 million contract after playing uh, last season with Dallas. This is a less-than-ideal scenario for the Broncos, who are 2-2, two and two, who have been playing less-than-ideal football. Denver has a short week. He'll play Indianapolis on Thursday. High school volleyball from over the weekend, first on Friday. And then 4A, Natrona over Cheyenne East, three sets to two. Laramie over Campbell County, three sets to none. Thunder Basin beat Cheyenne South, three to nothing. Cheyenne Central over Sheridan, three nothing. And in 1A, Hewlett over Midwest, three nothing. On Saturday, Kelly Walsh over Riverton, three sets to none. Thunder Basin beat Laramie, three nothing. East over Sheridan, three nothing. Natrona beat Central, three nothing. And Campbell County over Cheyenne South, three nothing. In junior college volleyball, Casper College absorbed two more losses to L Triple C in Cheyenne and in Torrington against Eastern Wyoming over the weekend. So they're four and twenty-one on the year. L Triple C from Cheyenne is eleven and nine after a win over the T-Birds and Western Wyoming College from Rock Springs on Saturday. That's it in sports. By the way, it's pronounced Albuquerque. Oh, yeah, like yes. like Bugs. Yeah. Bugs Bunny, yeah. Uh, who was my childhood hero? Of course. Which is why I also say Los Angeles. 
Yeah, and, yeah. and he, he liked Pismo Beach, too, for some yeah, he, reason. For some reason, yeah. So those names I always pronounced it the way Bugs did because, well, don't tell me that my childhood hero was wrong about something. Well, no, he, he wasn't. He was, he was a pretty smart bunny. Yeah, that's, that's right. Except for when he took that wrong turn in Albuquerque, remember? Right, For yeah, some yeah. reason, he tunnels when he travels. Yeah. I don't know what that was about. How does he get there? Yeah. I have no idea how he digs that fast. But <laughs> I, thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business we have to take care of. We're going to roll into news time after that. National, local. Update on the weather forecast. I got a little bit more about that protester that got bum-tackled. We'll get into some of the inside details about who he was. And then some of the real news about things that really matter, not this jerk. That's next hour. Wake up, Wyoming. Seven oh six the time. It's Wake Up, Wyoming. My name is Lynn Woods. It's a Tuesday. 888 woods the phone number, 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. Oh, in the 8 o'clock hour, Miss Mary has arranged for us Tommy Strzok. Now, she won the primary for House District 6 in Wyoming. Several reasons we're going to talk to her, but one of them is, whenever I meet someone who's running for office for the first time, I try to say this without really being discouraging or anything like that. I, I have to find a much better way to say this. You probably will lose your first two, maybe three elections before you win an election. And the reason I say that is not to discourage them. Just understand, learning how to run for office, there is a craft to it. It's not just something you just step up and do. You have to learn how to do it. And the vast majority of people never do it the first time. Sometimes they they pull it off, but the vast majority of people will never win the first time out, not even the second, sometimes the third, probably not. But Tommy Strzok won first time out. So I will go ahead and eat crow on that one. Now, it's one of those rare cases. I'm not saying it never happens, but it does, and she did it. But now that it's happened, there are some members of the... Well, I I can call them good old boys network, the Wyoming establishment, let's say, in the Republican Party, who don't want her. And she's not the only one. There's other people out there who've won primary elections in the GOP in Wyoming. And they are not really well liked or received by those people who would you, you would consider part of the GOP establishment. I guess that's one way of putting it. So they're trying to run some independent candidates against her in the general election. Sound familiar? Because that's not the only place where this is happening. So she's going to have an event in Douglas, Wyoming, where Harriet Hageman is going to show up and help support her for that race. So it's interesting, the infighting going on inside the Republican Party right now. I'll get back to that in the 8 o'clock hour. Now, I'd mentioned this to Frank and I want to get a little more detail with you guys. So as you know, not a sports fan here, but I do look for stuff to talk to Frank about. And every so often I come across something like this. So the Rams, Bobby Wanger, I have no idea who that is, lays out an animal rights activist who ran into the field. I watched the video. So here they are at a game. And some guy starts to run across the field. He's wearing blue shorts and what looks like a pinkish T-shirt with something written on it. And he goes running across the field carrying a pink smoke bomb, too. Now, he makes an angle cut across the field, 
But when he gets too close to the sidelines, a couple of big guys jump out and just tackle him to the ground. Now, like Frank Gambino said, I hope it hurt. Not like it would really teach this kind of thing. When I looked at this, I thought, well, first off, if you really want to get the public's attention, which I understand, here's an activist group, and they want the public's attention. Okay, there are ways to do this. One way I would say you don't do this, though, is to run out in the middle of a football game making a jerk out of yourself. Because the fans, and I'm looking at this as a packed stadium, the fans are not happy with this guy. When he makes national television, nobody's happy with him. This is not convincing people, you should join my cause. If you want to do that, you're going to have to use a different tactic. All right, so just for the fun of it, I went ahead and looked at this guy because and, and who he's with. And I don't think he really deserves this kind of attention, but let's find out who wants to do something like this. The group is called Direct Action Everywhere. Ever hear of him? Of course not. That's why he chose to run across the field to get attention, because no one's ever heard of him. They appear to take responsibility for the demonstration, the story says. One person wrote the protesters attempting to bring awareness to the Smithfield trial, which began earlier on Monday. Have you ever heard of that? Right. That's why he ran out there. Okay. So... Let's see, who is direct action? I looked up their website here. And it's kind of like PETA. Same idea. Until every animal is free. Direct Action Everywhere is a global network of activists working to achieve revolutionary social and political change for animals in one generation. Well, that's not going to happen, but... uh, Oh, here's a sign. Let dairy die. Let's see. Um, No more factory farms. Okay. And then something written in a foreign language I can't see. Support the right to rescue. Two people are facing years in prison for shooting video inside one of the largest factory farms in the U.S. and rescuing two dying piglets. Their trial is September 9, 2022. So maybe that's what this guy was protesting? Anyway. Upcoming events. The closest chapter you is, oh, it, this is funny. How close is the closest chapter of this group to us here in Wyoming? Probably five to 600 miles away. From where I am, 547 miles away. No local events are scheduled here in Wyoming. Oh, thank God. And then they talk about news me. I'm just looking at their website here. How to organize a chapter. Not really interested. And they show some woman or young lady standing in front of her cell phone camera. And, of course, she's wearing a face mask. So help change the world for animals. That's basically who the group was or is. And they were trying to get – oh, let me click on About Us. I wonder if there's anything interesting here. Uh, We are achieving revolutionary and social and political change for animals in one generation. Probably not. Mobilize thousands to take action in hundreds of cities worldwide. And it shows about maybe a dozen people, maybe 20 people holding up signs. Rescue hundreds of animals from slaughterhouses and laboratories. 
and they want to pass breakthrough legislation. Okay. Now, again, they're allowed to do whatever they want to do. I have no problem if they want to protest. Go ahead. But the way that they're going about it, let me see. Amelia County bans popular rodeo event where cows are forcibly milked. Cows are forcibly milked. Hey, for those people out there who milk cows, you tell me if I'm wrong. I thought that cows certainly enjoyed being milked because, well, they can get kind of full, right? And isn't that a bit of a relief? Tell me if I'm wrong. Rodeos can no longer feature attractions where lactating beef cows are separated from their calves and chased in an arena before being roped, tackled, and submitted to being forcibly milked. Also, here's one. We're driving animals mad. The systems we have designed for animals are mentally abusive from the very beginning. And then it talks, oh, they have a Bill of Animal Rights. Let's see. Rose was the sole survivor of all the birds and McCoys that day. Okay. So I have to read at some point what exactly is their Bill of Animal Rights. And then they show what they say is animal abuse and so on. Okay. At some point, if, if I can find their piece of legislation, it'll probably be just hysterical to read. I'll see if I can. But that's who was trying to protest at that football stadium. Now, hey, people are allowed to believe whatever they want in a free country. Go right ahead. My only point is, if you're trying to convince people to join your cause, fine. But doing things like running across a football field or some of the idiotic protests that PETA has pulled off over the years are so embarrassingly ridiculous to watch, they don't win supporters. They tend to turn the crowd against them, like happened in that football stadium. 7.15, Wake Up Wyoming. 7.19, the time, it's Wake Up Wyoming. I just came across a sign here. You know, every so often you go into some, let's say, courthouse, city hall, something like that, and they have certain signs together that just seem to make a whole lot of sense. Like this one, drug testing and weddings. <laughs> I like the one that said uh, weddings and concealed carry permits or gun permits, just in case you didn't want to get a divorce. Just kind of tossing it out there. All right, so I wrote up a story this morning. kind of has to do with what the activists I was talking about in the last segment we're going through. Activists want to ban Wyoming's high-capacity assault cow. Yeah, now here's how this works. Some big city tourists wanted to come to Wyoming you know, just to give nature a hug. Hug a tree, hug a mountain lion, you know, things like that. But no, here in Wyoming we have high-capacity assault cows. Now, as far as real cows, they want to get rid of them because real cows fart global warming. Yeah, they belch it too. So they've been wanting to get rid of real cows. Now, I've been wondering, but before we got rid of regular, before we had regular cows out across the prairie, as we do now, there were vast herds of bison, also known as fluffy cows. Now, they did the same thing. They would eat the same stuff and fart and burp the same climate change, right? But now, you can't have those uh modern day cows out there you got to have the old ones even the, the fluffy ones because they were here naturally 
even though they do the exact same thing. Just one has more fluff than the other. So here comes a bunch of activists here to the state of Wyoming, and they want to go hug nature. Unfortunately, here we have these big, 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 muscular, fluffy cows. They have horns on their heads, and no one asked the fluffy cow if he wanted a hug in the first place. And so the activists go up to give it a hug, and you see what happens. They get launched into orbit, something like that. Okay. So I wonder now, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, how do you think these activists are going to square that? When they take a look at the the big fluffy cows that we have here in Wyoming that literally not only want to kill them, but also do exactly the same thing that the domesticated cows we have out there do as far as eating all of the brush out there and then farting climate change. And then I I suppose activists probably hate Wyoming anyway because if you think about it, here in Wyoming, basically everything wants to kill you no matter what it is. So it's just an extremely violent state, right? So I wrote that piece this morning with at the bottom of it, this is a satirical piece to make you think in case you didn't understand that because some people just don't get satire and I don't understand why. Now this next one isn't satire. This is real. I have to tell you this because it's like the Babylon Bee, for example. Babylon Bee is constantly getting in trouble for writing satirical bits and at times fact checkers will actually check them, which they think it's hysterical because it's satire. Sometimes satire sounds real or reality sounds like satire, like this headline. California decriminalizes jaywalking due to, you're not going to believe the second part. You might believe the part that they decriminalize jaywalking. Try to imagine for a while, just a moment, why. If your answer is because it's racist, yes, it's racist to criminalize jaywalking. Gavin Newsom signed into law last Friday decriminalizing jaywalking across California, ending the familiar practice of police handing out tickets to pedestrians who don't cross at the signal across those lines. The new law, known as the Freedom to Walk Act, could bring an end to the culture. Here's where it just gets weird. The cultural difference that marked otherwise libertine Californians as being uniquely differential to laws governing pedestrian traffic. The difference between Californians who tend to obey walk signs and urban dwellers elsewhere in the country who are notoriously defiant when it comes to crossing at traffic signals. So how do they get that this is a racist law? The bill's sponsor, Democrat of San Francisco celebrated the governor's action on Friday. Quote, it should not be a criminal offense to safely cross the street when uh, expensive uh, traffic tickets are unnecessary and confrontations with police only in certain communities. It's time to reconsider how we use our law. Plus, we should encourage people to get out of their cars and walk for health and environmental reasons anyway. So this is 
this man's second attempt to decriminalize jaywalking in California. In the pursuit of fairness, in the way fines are addressed. See, he couldn't get it passed the first time. There's no way he can get this thing passed the first time. People didn't want jaywalking. Go to the intersection, watch for the light to change, cross then. Don't just cross in the middle of the street somewhere. That's dangerous, right? He was not able to get it passed out the first time, uh, this law. But the second time, all you got to do to get something like this passed is use the right buzzwords. So he points out that, yeah, but you're handing out more traffic tickets for jaywalking to minorities than you are to white people. Therefore, there's racial disparity here. And so we've got to end the law. Here's what the story says. His second attempt to decriminalize jaywalking in California as he pursues fairness in the way fines are addressed. And there's escalating police stops for jaywalking. By the way, why not waste more? Don't waste your time doing this. Go after the shoplifters. But okay, jaywalking is arbitrarily enforced throughout California with tickets disproportionately given to people of color and low-income individuals who cannot afford tickets in the first place. Yeah, that's because all the people who have money are, are in the cars. But anyway, when the law goes into effect January 1st, 2023, fewer working families will struggle to pay the cost of the citation. Police will not be able to use jaywalking as a pretext to detain somebody. The new law, the story says, allows uh, prevents law enforcement officers from stopping pedestrians jaywalking only when it's obvious the person crossing the street is, well, if, if they were in, in any kind of imminent danger, they were just doing something in, that's obviously completely unsafe, then maybe. See, once again, in order to get something like this passed, all you have to do is throw out there that there's some kind of racial disparity going on here. Okay, That's all you have to do. And, of course, because of that, because it's racist to ticket someone for jaywalking, therefore they have to end handing out tickets for jaywalking in California. So the next time you're in California, you won't have the freedom to do much of anything, just so you know, if you decide to visit California. I'm just going to go ahead and toss it out there. You will not have the freedom to do much of anything, but you will be allowed to jaywalk. So there, California has now taken a step toward freedom in in some stupid way. Now, I wonder how much money is this going to cost California because they certainly need the money. They honestly really need the money. So I would think that they won't want to ticket more jaywalkers. I still wonder, as far as the police officers are concerned, now that they don't have to worry about jaywalkers, can the police officers get back to doing what they really need to be doing in California? And that's going after people who are shoplifting. Because in California, anything below $950, arbitrary number. If you go into a store and just grab some stuff and walk out, Nobody's going to stop you. Nobody will stop you in California. Go ahead, shoplift if it's below a certain amount. And people are. I'm sure you've seen the videos of it. So the police aren't bothering with that, but apparently they were handling jaywalkers or something like that. All right. Priorities, people. (music) 
728's the time. We're coming up on some local business. I'm going to answer some notes people are sending me off the app. Let me see. There's Arnie and Casper, Cyberpokers in Laramie, Jimmy C is in Fort Myers, Florida, or at least his house may be underwater there. RH is in Wiggins, Colorado. Kevin is in Wheatland, Wyoming. I'll, I'll answer. They've been texting me off of the Wake Up Wyoming app by hitting the chat button. So you're going to listen to a news and information break. I'm going to go answer them. We'll do another segment coming right out of after your weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming. Thirty-six of time to wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Triple eight ninety-seven Woods. The phone number eight 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 ninety-seven W O O D S. Let's see now. Where in the world? Let's see if I can find. I'm looking for a particular uh, song in my files. Problem is, over the years, the files have gotten bigger and bigger. And it used to be just so easy to find um, certain, you know, songs, titles, stuff like that. And let's see. It would be under Kim? Hmm. Somewhere around here is a song that I'm looking for because North Korea fired a missile over Japan. And Japan took it very seriously. They they really did. Japan took it. They had sirens going off, and people went running to shelters because the missile that North Korea fired went way up and over Japan and landed, uh, I think, a couple of mile, a couple thousand miles, maybe something like that, uh, outside of Japan. But it had to go right over the top of Japan. And that, you can imagine, freaked out the entire country. Now, in response to that, not just Japan, but our own country, South Korea as well, doing all sorts of military exercises out and around the Korean peninsula there just to show Kim Jong-un who's really in charge here. And I I would like to see, we do have systems that can do stuff like this. But I would like to see one of those missiles, if possible, shot down at some point. Imagine we um, shoot a missile. You know, they shoot a missile somewhere. Let's see. Now, okay. I'm trying to find the I'm So Ronery song. Yeah, I guess I'm not going to find it. Okay. Well, I had um, the song I'm So Ronery as the uh, – it's somewhere around here. When I can find it, I'll go ahead and play it for you. As the song for Kim Jong-un, every time I wanted to talk about him, I'd go ahead and play that song. And now I'm looking at it going here, where the heck did I put the Kim stuff? It's like I had a whole file for this guy. Maybe if I go over to – aha, I found it for you. Okay, there's two songs I have for Kim Jong-un. One of them has to do with what happened with Japan yesterday. <coughs> and I think it's gonna be a long 
Apparently, that's how he sees himself as he fires orders another rocket to be fired over top of Japan, which completely freaked them out. Then there's this one, because this guy just needs attention. I'm so lonely, so lonely, so lonely and sad, real alone. Deb, no one, just me only, sitting on my rental throne. off i'm sure but anyway i would like to see honestly next time north korea fires a missile because they always do a reaction to this north korea fires a missile and this one went right over the top of japan and the reaction is well we're going to do a bunch of war games and exercises around your country just to remind you that we're here here's a better idea i would we have systems that can shoot down other missiles use them north korea goes to fire a test missile like this, right? And as it leaves North Korean territory high in the sky, it's shot down. Then we let them know, hey, guy, anytime you want to fire a missile, you just go right ahead. And we will demonstrate to you that we can shoot down your missile before it actually gets anywhere and does anything. There. Now, I'm not sure that this is really going to teach him a lesson because it's Kim Jong-un. He doesn't learn. By the way, you notice he's only the, the, the only fat man in North Korea? There's only one fat guy in North Korea. It's him? Tells you everything you need to know about socialism. 7.42, wake up Wyoming. 7.45, the time off. We go to talk to Don Day, Day Weather. So this is one of these stretches you got to watch out. Don will get in an irritable mood because the weather just stays the same, and it's nice. And I'm sorry about that, Don. Well, that's okay. It's a sacrifice I have to make for okay. people to have nice weather. But don't worry. At some point, it's going to get really, like, nasty out there, and you'll have plenty to talk about. You are correct. Okay. now I just have to, I just have to be patient. Just be patient and wait. So right now, though, next, it looks like, what, 10 days or so? Is that about right, that it just mm-hmm. is like this? No, I would not go, okay. I would not not, that not go as far as 10. I will go as far as 6 days. Okay. Do I hear 5? Yeah. So okay, we but, <laughs> probably so probably six days of this, and then what happens? Well, there is a change coming next week, but as we hinted yesterday, we just don't know yet if okay. it's going to be a, a a really big change or or one that's a little more subtle. Uh, but you know, when you when you look at the calendar, we're headed towards the middle of October by next week, so you, you would start to expect to yeah. see some changes. But I tell you, once. Um, We're on the tail end of a trough. We have a few sprinkles up near the Nebraska, Wyoming, South Dakota border area this morning. Those are moving away. And a a really nice autumn pattern is going to develop. You know, tomorrow and Thursday will just be gems. We have a little bit of a cold front that will affect the eastern side of the state Thursday night, Friday morning with a few showers and a little bit of a cool down. But, boy, the, the weekend Boy, other than a couple of showers near the mountains, the weekend is looking really, really good. Okay. And I did notice there were some overnight showers around the air because I'm a little before 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm walking toward my car to go to work, and it's raining on me. Not much. 
just this nice little passing showerlet out there. So I guess they're just kind of popping up and watering the plants from time to time. Yeah, and and they're you know after today, you know they're going to move out. We've got a couple of days where there won't be much happening. And the front on Thursday night and into Friday will produce a little bit of shower activity, but not much. So okay. it's not going to be very active over the next five days. How do you know when you're – and I know you do this on your podcast, which people can follow you on, on YouTube through Cowboys State Daily. But how do you know when you're looking at the northern regions that, up? Oh, we're about to get something? Well, what you do is it's, it's pattern recognition yeah. in terms of – where the jet stream is making its bends and its curves and where those high pressure ridges are forming. And I spend a lot of time looking out uh, in the North Pacific because the North Pacific is the, is the area when the patterns change there, we eventually get the pattern changes here. And so uh, the Gulf of Alaska, the West coast of Canada, that is really key as we get into the cold season. And so that's that's what we see next week. We see okay. a change happening there, which is signaling a change here later. All right. Thank you, Don. Don Day with Day Weather. Now, it's interesting to watch if you go to YouTube. He has a podcast there where you, you can see what he's talking about because he shows all the maps and everything. Off we go to the icebox where Frank Gambino is waiting by. So Matt has written an article for us, Frank. The title here is, Hey, Wyoming football fans, there are only two winless teams, and they're both in Colorado. Oh, CU and CSU. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> As Jackie Gleason would say, yeah. how sweet yeah. it is. So they're both. Now, how many games have they played? Well, you know, uh, six, five, five or oh, okay, six. Okay, okay. CSU is terrible. Okay. so And, and Colorado just fired their coach. Oh, that bad, huh? Yeah. Okay, so when you're at the, I guess we're sort of still at the beginning of the season here, right? Well, now we're now we're halfway through. Halfway through, and you fire your coach. That that means that that was just really bad. Yeah, and, and part of why they're fire, why college coaches are being fired, like right now, mm-hmm. like like this middle of the season, is that they have to plan ahead for the next recruiting year. Right. So you want to get a new coach in place or get rid of the other guy, so this new person can come in and recruit for the following season. Right. Uh, because normally you would assume that players play for the – you would assume that the players play for the program, the school, when actually they're playing for the coach. Okay. So these are two teams that uh, should UW come up against, you better and, and not they'll, lose. They'll, yeah, they'll play CSU later. Okay. C, C, uh, Colorado, they won't. If, who would pay to watch yeah. CSU play CU in football? It'd be the pillow fight of all time. Well, <laughs> this is why, though, I have often said I want to go to a game where you have the two worst teams, and the goal for each team is not to win the game. It's just to lose the game. Yeah. So we can really find out who the worst team is. So I'd be wor- rooting for one of the teams to lose worse than the other team. To me, that's how I would... You know, if I were a, any kind of a sports fan, I'd be that kind of a bizarro sports as fan. As long as you don't have to pay to watch. No, well, the, there's the next thing. You uh. should, in fact, when the teams are this bad, Frank, not only should you get free admission, you should get free beer. I agreed, 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 agreed. Well, in college football, the Wyoming Cowboys. 
pieces after a 33-16 loss to San Jose State on Saturday night in Larry that dropped them to 1-1 one and one in Mountain West Conference play and 3-3 three and three overall. UW defense was chewed up by the Spartan offense in that game, so that defensive unit um, has got to really tighten the screws as San Jose State threw the ball for over 300 yards. Cowboy offense had just 110 yards passing, but Sheridan native Parker Christensen did catch a TD ball. Now off to Albuquerque on Saturday night for a road game at New Mexico to face defensive guru Coach Rocky Long, who has made life very difficult for the folks' offense for the last couple of years. Head coach Craig Bull knows all about that and what's ahead. It's disappointing. Uh, home loss is always hard, uh, but we've got to move on. We've got to, to lick our wounds and get ready to, to play New Mexico. We've had a hard time with New Mexico the last couple of years, uh, specifically defensively. Uh, you know, Coach Gonzalez's background uh, is a defensive coach. And along with Rocky Long, those two are kind of a double-headed monster there as far as what they do. Their front is very uh, disruptive. And New Mexico's kickoff, 5 p.m. from Albuquerque. We'll have that for you on K2 Radio and Casper on Saturday and KOWB in Laramie. And the NFL, some bad news for the Denver Broncos. They're going to lose running back Javante Williams for the rest of the season with a severe knee injury suffered in that 32-23 loss to Las Vegas on Sunday. Williams tore his ACL and his LCL. So that's a, just a huge loss for an offense uh, that it, that he was the team's leading rusher through the first three games of the season. Outside linebacker Randy Gregory will be out two to six weeks with a knee injury of his own. He joined the Broncos this season with a five-year, $70 million contract after playing last season with Dallas. This is a less-than-ideal scenario for the Broncos, who at 2-2 two and two have been playing uh, less-than-ideal football. Denver has a short week, and will play Indianapolis on Thursday. And high school volleyball from over the weekend, first on Friday in four. NC over Cheyenne East, three sets to two. Laramie over Campbell County, three nothing. Thunder Basin over South, three nothing. And Cheyenne Central over Sheridan, three sets to none. In 1A, Hewlett over Midwest, three sets to none. On Saturday, Kelly Walsh beat Riverton, three nothing. Thunder Basin over Laramie, three nothing. Cheyenne East beat Sheridan, three nothing. Natrona over Central, three nothing. And Campbell County defeated Cheyenne South, three to one. In junior college volleyball, Casper College absorbed two more losses uh, to LCCC in Cheyenne and in Torrington against Eastern Wyoming, so they're four and 21 on the year. LCCC see from Cheyenne is 11 and 9 on the year after a win over Western Wyoming College from Rock Springs up on Saturday and that's it in sports. Here is something while you were doing sports that I was trying to decipher. You ever put something up on your social media and the answers that you get have nothing to do with what you said? Um, I haven't experienced that okay, yet. So You'll have to in- enlighten me I about that. I put up this. There's a picture of a record player here. It yeah, says, yeah. I wish my life had background music so I could understand what the hell was going on. <laughs> now, right away, people started thinking that I need a theme song. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like when the actor walks into the room and the music sets the mood so you right, know what's going on. Yeah. Is it mysterious? Is it funny? Whatever the case is. That's is, what I need. Is it misery? Yes, or, exactly you know. right. Yeah, or or does the music basically say this guy's an idiot? You know that kind of a theme. You yeah, know, they, they've I'm had those kind of songs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's what I'm looking. Not a theme song for me. I just want mood music to follow me around, so I know what's going to happen next. Right. So you'll need multiple turntables. Exactly. Right. Or records. Thank you, Frank. Right. Yeah. I appreciate it. Coming up on local business news time. Right after that, let's wake up, Wyoming. Time is 8.06. It's a Tuesday morning. Wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Hang on to the phone calls for just a bit, because i got a guest here I have to talk to. Now, whenever it gets to be election season, 
I, I'm always happy to see brand new candidates get out there. The more, the better. We need fresh blood. We need new people. Of course, I always do just warn them just so they know that if you're someone running for office for the first time, you're probably not going to win the first time out because learning to run for office, it takes a certain amount of trial and error. There's a, some skill sets you have to learn. And so there's most people that I talk to, the vast majority of first-time candidates don't win the first time out. And I'm not trying to discourage anyone. I'm just letting them know, if you really want this, you're probably going to have to run more than once, sometimes even three times, before you finally nail the office that you're at. That's just a political reality. However, in Douglas, Wyoming, Tommy Schrock likes to prove people wrong. That's why she's on the phone today. Just to gloat, huh? Thank you. <laughs> uh, yes. So, one well, that's good, but I do think people are needing and wanting a change. Yes, I do so think so, yeah. I did... I do have that. I did have that advantage. Well, now, having said, though, that they, they needed and wanted a train, I would have to say I have to give you credit for uh, running a campaign in such a way where you get the word out and people actually knew that you were there. Because a lot of times people, when they do run for the first time, they really don't know how to get out and make themselves known in the community. So you did that right. So congratulations for that. But now this is just the primary, though. Apparently, there's some people out there who don't like the idea that you won, and they're in your own party, right? That is correct, yes. So um, the, we do have a independent running against me, and he was on the Republican ballot for okay. the primary as a precinct man, and he actually won his precinct. Right. So has he yes. run for office and held office before? Yes, he has. He was okay. a mayor for eight years previously okay. in Douglas. Mm -hmm. Okay. And does he have support of, is he doing this himself, or does he have some support from people inside the Republican Party? I would say he does have support within the Republican Party. Okay. Yes. All right. So you got a little bit of work to do between now and then. Of course, I would say, though, the person running against you has a lot of work to do, because is this going to be a write-in campaign? It is not. He's actually oh, on the ballot as really? an independent. And what is interesting, yes, he says, I'm a lifelong conservative Republican. Mm -hmm. But and running so as I an would independent. Say if, okay. but, but running as an independent. Okay. So that does make you wonder, because yeah. if you're a true conservative Republican, it, it honestly would be, I would not do that. I right. would not be able to run as an independent. So did he say anything specifically that he didn't like about you or did reasons he didn't want you to have the office or does he just want your job? I mostly, he says people need a choice. That's okay. what I keep hearing back. Okay. People need a choice and people say to him, they had a choice and they picked Tommy. Right. But, okay. Yeah. I do notice that. Yeah. And you're not the only one. Chuck Ray's another one. There's a couple of other races around the state of Wyoming where uh, non-establishment type stepped in and won the primary and then here come some people who have been the establishment for quite a while that didn't like that result. And so they're trying to find people either as independents or writing candidates. So there seems to be a little bit of infighting going on in the Republican Party is my take on it. Yes, I would say that's the truth. And, and what I have learned is we have where you can have that crossover voting. Yeah. You can walk in that day and then you stay. So I would say we've actually have a lot of 
very much Democrats in our Republican Party. They've never left. Okay. Now, some of the other things that I want to talk to you about is we have in Douglas some problems that need to be addressed, including at your own hospital there. That's one of, of several issues that Douglas has, That things that are unique to Douglas, in other words, that people aren't going to find other places in Wyoming. What specifically are you running on to get the attention of Douglas voters as issues in your area? Well, one of them was the hospital, and I do believe that's part of who um, would like to see someone other than I be in that position. I just believe there should have been freedom, and I'm not into um, the expansion the government is having on the whole country. And I don't believe in taking any government money that has strings attached. And so that is part of the problem. That would be when they start mandating. Yeah, that that would be a lot of money that comes in from the federal government to the state of Wyoming that you would be rejecting, just so the people of Douglas know that and, you know not, don't want that money because strings come attached with it. If you, what do you think about things like Medicaid expansion? I am not in favor of it. Okay. Yes, I'm not. Okay, and then uh, what about money that comes in? to fund some other programs like uh, electric vehicle charging stations, for example? Yes. Well, it's really hurting our other economy, isn't it? Okay. It's hurting what we do have, our coal and our oil and our gas. All right. And when the government has to subsidize it, um, how efficient is it? Right. All right. So for people who are in the Douglas area who want to find out more information about it, I know you have a website up, right? Where do they find that? It is TommyStrock.com, www.TommyStrock.com. Okay, that's spelled T-O-M-I-S-T-R-O-C-K. R. Yeah, S-T-R-O-C-K. Correct. So T-O-M-I-S-T-R-O-C-K.com, and that will bring up her website so you can find out a little bit more about the candidate who's running in your area. Any kind of a debate or anything like that planned with your opponent? Well, I would like to invite everyone And please come to a rally that we're having this Saturday, at which is October 8th at 1 p.m. And Harriet Hageman is going to be the special guest speaker. And we do have some others lined up. Okay. And just really going to have a lot of fun. Interesting that you got the endorsement of Harriet Hageman and she wants to show up at an event for you. And again, you think this would have been a lock by now. Do you have any Democrats running in your area? We, I do. Okay. Yes, I okay. do. So, which is good. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I'm all for the the competition mm-hmm. in there, but you think that yes. would have been a bit of a lock. But okay, so you're going to have a rally then. So, okay, people who want to attend the rally see you, Harriet Hageman. Let's do this again. They have to be where and when. It is at Douglas Inn, October eighth at one p.m. Okay, that was in October 8th, 1 p.m. And again, if you want to see Tommy's website, T-O-M-I-S-T-R-O-C-K.com, TommyStrock.com, find out more information. Okay, well, all of this gets wrapped up. I'll have you on again so we can talk about your victory. Okay, well, thank you very much, Glenn. Absolutely, sure. Coming up on 8.15. It's Wake Up Wyoming. 
819 time to wake up Wyoming. All right, 888 Woods, the phone number. Open phones at this point. Talk about what I'm talking about. Change the subject. I'll roll with it fine. 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. So the Wyoming Department of Transportation says the state of Wyoming has no plans to switch to electric vehicles. Well, good. Let's keep it that way. And when I was talking with our last guest here about charging stations in Wyoming, my problem there is we're taking federal money to put up charging stations. You don't do that for gas stations. Why are you doing that for charging stations? How about just let it happen organically within just what the economy naturally does? But all right. The Wyoming Department, this is from Cowboy State Daily, the Wyoming Department of Transportation and the state of Wyoming maintain separate fleets of thousands of vehicles. They have a few hybrids and several natural gas-powered vehicles. But because Wyoming lacks infrastructure to support electric vehicles, state maintains no electric vehicle fleets. Quote, there's not adequate infrastructure out there for us to accomplish our mission right now. That's where I was waiting for the right now. At this point, maybe sometime later we'll do the electric vehicle thing. The state last week received federal approval for its National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Plant. Now, this is where I'll get really annoyed. First off, the federal government approved a plan for the state of Wyoming for some inv- – approved it. Why, why are we needing their approval? If we want to do it, fine, we'll do it. If we don't want to put up electric car infrastructure, we won't. Why are we looking for federal government approval? The answer to that is because the feds want to approve about – give us about $26 million over the next five years to put in electric charging stations. And that's where I get back to, yeah, but you don't give out money like that for gas stations that I'm aware of, diesel stations anywhere. But we're going to go ahead and give this money because it's electric. Now, the the federal government wanted electric charging stations about every 50 miles. You're familiar with Wyoming. You know you just can't do that. There's parts of Wyoming. Ain't no way. There's parts of Wyoming when you're driving a gas-powered vehicle. You know I am not going to find a gas station in the next 50 miles or more quite a bit more. That's just the way it is. Federal government didn't like that idea. They wanted them anyway. That's where the uh, fight has been. Last week, the state received the story says approval for the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure, NEVI is what they call $26 million over the next five years, owing to the large stretch between towns across the state. WIDOT has requested exemptions from the federal requirements that charging stations be placed every 50 miles, most of the exceptions were denied. Now, again, this is, I get so irritated with this. It's none of the Fed's business what we do. I would say to the state of Wyoming, to YDOT, to our House and Senate and our governor, don't take the money. If somebody wants to open up an electric charging station because they think it's good for business, they will. Okay. Then you don't even need approval or anything. They can't turn to us and deny a request or approve our plan or whatever. The federal government has nothing to do with our infrastructure. Jordan Ark, spokesperson for YDOT, said the department has about 4,000 vehicles in its fleet, including everything from trailer trucks to shipping trucks 
about a fourth of the fleet is light-duty vehicles like passenger cars, pickup trucks, stuff like that. There are some natural gas vehicles. In 2011, Wyoming legislator approved about $200,000 for the state to test natural gas-powered vehicle. The money funded a natural gas filling station near Rollins and supported a retrofit for existing vehicles. And I love this name, Jaywhacker. It just is a fun name to say. Spokesperson from Wyoming Administration and Information Department said the Wyoming fleet consists of 1,442 vehicles. The state did not try out natural gas vehicles, but the pro, uh, the program or did try out, but the program was discontinued. Over the years, it turned out to be a pain. He said, "Okay, so you tried it, turned out to be a pain. Forget it." Then Cowboy State Daily goes into talking about hybrid vehicles and the fleet. Federally mandated infrastructure has gotten to got to be in place, or it just doesn't make sense. Whack. Now let me read this whole thing so we have it in context. This gentleman from YDOT said, uh, the state has some hybrid vehicles in, uh, on order and an EV order for central mail delivery, which uh, handles state mail around internal departments. The state may begin to convert its fleet of uh, to electric in the next five years. As NEVI funding builds more charging stations across Wyoming, quote, the federally mandated infrastructure has got to be in place or it just doesn't make sense, he said. Only about 1% of the vehicles registered in Wyoming are electric. I'm sorry, 0.1, 0.1%. Are, and and they're, they're hoping that this would get more tourists in because people who have, let's say, an electric vehicle that would like to be a tourist in the state of Wyoming, well, I can't charge anywhere, so I'm not going to be a tourist in the state of Wyoming. Now, I look at that argument and I think, okay, I get you would love to have more charging stations so someone who's driving a Tesla will visit Wyoming. But I go back to, so don't take the federal money. Any business out there who thinks that they can make money at this will put charging stations up. And if it doesn't happen or if people try it and it fails, so be it. That's one of the advantages of capitalism. Something has to be viable or it fails and goes away. Now, anything that's government-subsidized, government programs, the more it fails, the more money they put into it, and so the bigger the failure gets. They can never seem to get through their head the idea of, just well, just stop it. It's failing, so don't do it anymore. I've watched many companies do this, not just with inventions. I've watched, uh, there's a gentleman I was talking to as a district manager for a retail chain, and he hated to do it, but there was a retail store under his watch that he had to close down. And you might think, but oh, there's all these employees are going to let go. Yeah, I know. It sucks. But there's this one particular store that just wasn't making it. And they tried getting a new manager, getting a new staff, upgrading the building, having sales. They tried advertising everything. And this one particular location was just never making money. So they shut it down. Now, that was a federal program. It would have never been shut down. It would have just kept pumping more money into it. But the free market is smart enough to know, yeah, we're just losing money on this deal. So we're going to stop doing that. That's also part of my problem with it. Hey, we're going to put up electric vehicles, you know, charging stations all around Wyoming on government money. And it also opens the door to those government mandates so we can be approved for things or not approved. They get to have a say, like our last guest just said here is... 
that federal money comes in with strings attached, and all of a sudden they're in charge, and we have to answer to them, or we're not going to get all of this money. Another story on the same idea from Cowboy State Daily, Wyoming's electricity prices are low because no renewable energy mandates. Aha! Wyoming is among states without renewable energy mandates and cap-and-trade programs, and that correlates with energy costs. Uh, States with such policies have much higher electricity rates than those without, according to a new study, American Legislative Exchange Council, a conservative nonprofit. So Wyoming, which has neither of these policies, remains among the states with some of the lowest electricity rates, according to this, this report. Unlike its 2021 study, Energy Affordability Report also examines how much customers pay for gasoline and all sorts of other things. So the results of such policies are predictable, the report concluded. When the government inserts itself into the energy market, taxpayers foot the bill. Again, this gets back to if you really want the best possible energy, the best uh, reliability, quality, the lowest price, then you want to let the market take care of it. You want competition as much as possible. This is called capitalism, by the way. You want businesses in there competing against each other. You don't want subsidies. I'm going to get more into this right after we get done with this news and information break. But this is what makes the prices so low and energy in this state so much more reliable than other states. In fact, I'm going to compare this to states like California because I pick on California a lot. And I can pick on Europe, too. We'll do that right after the news and information break because this is an important study for people to hear. Coming up on 8.30, local news coming your way right after some local news. Got an update on your weather forecast. And while I'm talking about this, it's also open phones, so you can interrupt me at any time. 888-97-WOODS, 888-97-WOODS, Wake Up Wyoming. Okay, this is getting as sophisticated as a NASCAR race. Pardon me while I move the microphone here. There we go. So I can see this just a little bit better. And this ridiculously large television they put in my studios, which is off to my right, I look up and I see, oh, they're uh, following uh, network news here, following a car chase in California. And I always wonder when I watch a a car that's trying to get away from police, I always watch and think, where where exactly do you think you're going? Because you're not going to make this. Police are not just behind you. They or know you're coming because they're radioing ahead, so they'll put up a roadblock ahead. Now, this guy, there's a lot of California highway traffic, so he's mostly riding on the paved shoulder of the interstate, and he's just racing up here. Now, why is it this getting to be like a NASCAR race? It's getting very sophisticated with today's television networks because not only do they have a helicopter following this guy and, like, right on him the whole time, Nice close-up shot. But they have up in the right-hand corner – well, first off, it's uh, the the address, San Bernardino, Gabriel Valley, et cetera, et cetera. That's the location. And then they have up in the upper right a spinometer. They know how fast he's going. We're getting sophisticated here. So as they're following the car in the car chase, 
I'm looking at this going, oh, the guy's going like 62 miles an hour. Now he's down to 50 miles an hour. He's dodging traffic. But he's never really getting much over. He never really reaches 65 miles an hour as he's trying to get away. Now, the traffic is so congested and slow. That's why he's mostly on the paved shoulder of the road and weaving his way around there. He doesn't get into the main part of traffic in order to do this. Now, as he's trying to get away, again, this is a black four-door sedan of some kind trying to get away from police. And I don't see police following him at all. All right. As I'm watching this, again, I'm thinking, but where exactly do you think you're going, buddy? Because the police can see what I'm watching with this news helicopter following the guy so so expertly. The police know where this guy is and where he's going. Oh, look, he hit 64 miles an hour. Hasn't hit 65 yet. At some point, there's going to be a roadblock ahead, and he's not going to have anywhere to go. And now he's merging out into the middle of traffic. He's all the way in the left-hand lane now, trying to get around some kind of a block up there. Now I bet he's going to try to get into the right-hand shoulder. Yep, there he goes, since that was his fastest route around all of the traffic there. So at some point, if I look at this and think, oh, okay, uh, the police have them. I'll let you. I'll kind of keep an eye on this. I'll let you know. It's just interesting to watch that. News organizations have really gotten good at the police chase. I mean, they have just nailed police chases to the point that I can even see how fast this guy is going and exactly where he is, what streets he's passing, you know, et cetera, et cetera. This is really getting sophisticated. All right. So, well, they know that car chases are high ratings. Okay. Having said this, let's get back to the state of Wyoming. I thought this report was really interesting. Again, Cowboy State Daily. Okay, Wyoming is among states without renewable energy mandates. So now, if you go to some other states, and let's say you're a power company, you have to have a certain number of uh, wind. And I hate calling it renewables because they're not. They're not clean. They're not green. They're not renewable. They're not sustainable. Many other states, if you're a power company wanting to produce power in the state, fine. You can go ahead and start a power company. But you're going to have to have so much in wind and solar if you're going to do that. The state of Wyoming doesn't do that. Okay. States with such policies, the story says, have much higher electricity rates, according to a new study. Wyoming, which has neither of these policies, cap and trade is another one. We don't have any cap and trade policies. Oh, wait a second. The driver is now behind a bunch of traffic in a construction zone. He's now down to 19 miles an hour. We'll see if the police catch up at this point. Well, the police can get him at some point. They will. Oh, yeah. 18 miles an hour. He's in a construction zone. He's screwed now. All right. So unlike the 2021 study, Energy Affordability Report also examines how much customers pay for not just electricity, gasoline, other forms of energy, right? The report, uh, the Environmental Agricultural Task Force and so on, analyzes the relationship between the state's electricity prices and other energy based on data, and it talks about where they get the data from. And then policies that mandate certain amount of energy come from wind and solar, cap and trade, things like that, in order to have lower CO2 emissions. And it's that lower CO2 emissions that they're really pushing on everybody. Well, because Wyoming doesn't have 
a lot of that, your electricity rates are lower. Go to California, on the other hand. Go to California and take a look at their electricity rates. Take a look at their gas station if you want to buy gasoline or diesel. Take a look at how much that's going to cost you. If you want to buy propane, they're trying to phase that out. So they've actually passed a law in California that at some point, if you want to heat your home with propane or something like that, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. What's that going to do to the prices? Highest electricity rates were actually found in Hawaii. That's not surprising. Also, Alaska. But then we come into states like California. The next highest rates found within uh, the lower 48, California, Maine, Rhode Island, Connecticut. More than twice what Wyoming residents pay. Let me do that again. After you get away from Alaska and Hawaii, which are states that are like way out there, right? So they have a harder time connecting. They're not connected to the across-the-country grid, so that affects them some, right? The next highest rates are found, and we're talking about what's called the lower 48 states, right? California, Maine, Rhode Island, Connecticut, they pay over twice as much as you do for energy. They also suffer energy shortages as well. This gentleman told Cowboy State Daily that the policies are considered because they're well, there's flexible enough that the state can apply them, but it's uh, it, it just raises your prices, really, and makes energy not so reliable for you anymore. That's, I think, one of the biggest problems also is reliability as states like California go through blackouts and brownouts. And yet, here in Wyoming, look, we need more power. We do have to worry, like any other state, about our grid. We can have problems with our grid, especially in wintertime. But if we need more power, we're coming on winter here. We're going to have some really cold nights. Need more power? Crank up the generator. There's more power. California can't do that. The situation, this gentleman says, is going to drive up energy prices in those states because they're also importing Russian natural gas. They don't have infrastructure. Some of this infrastructure, I'd say they even shut down. And it's going to even be deadly for them at some point. I would agree that it is. That's his buck and Casper. Good morning, Glenn. Did you see the new charging stations at the Target parking lot? Who paid for those? I don't know. I would like to, I tell you what, Buck. I would like to think that Target paid for the charging stations at Target. If Target or the mall itself, either one, paid for the charging stations, then I would be just fine with that because that's private enterprise doing what they think they need to do to make money. I I don't know if that came from federal money or not, but I'd like to find out. 845, Wake Up Wyoming. 848 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off we go to the icebox. Talk to Frank Gambino. Frank, I was just telling everybody a moment ago, I am really surprised. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. I mean, I should say impressed with how good television news is getting at car chases. Well, yeah, but you know why? Is they have helicopters. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, we, they, and they also have drones. Let me. The drones yeah. that TV stations use are not, you know, like those yeah. ones that look like spiders. No, no, no. But much. they could be almost like two oh, feet Oh, yeah, long. they can move. Yeah, okay. Here's what I'm watching now. So this is a television station in Los Angeles, and, and California. They're, and they're among the best because you know oh, yeah. why? Oh, They have a ton of car chases there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. And, and so here is a black Ford or sedan. It looks like a nice car. 
but it says this is a burglary suspect. And I've been watching this for quite a few minutes now. This guy's heading down the freeway. Of course, Los Angeles freeway, lots of traffic. So at times he's riding on the paved shoulder on the left (laughs) or the right. And what's nice is not only do I get to see up here his location, what exit he just passed, where he is in relation to downtown, but also they have a spinometer up there. Oh, really? Couple, yeah, a couple of times he hit 80 miles an hour, but also he slowed down to like 90 miles an hour for a construction zone. That's something out of NASCAR TV it technology. Is. That's exactly what I said just a few minutes ago to the audience here. It's like I'm watching some kind of a NASCAR race but with just one car weaving through traffic. Now, I guess... Was he late wait, for oh, work? wait, wait, wait. 95 miles an hour. 98. Oh, 105. 100, 105 miles an hour is top speed. He found an open stretch of highway there. And he got up to 105. Oh, boy. Yeah. This may not end very well. No, it's not. Now, here's what gets me whenever I see a race like this is I think there's no cops pursuing him, but there's a couple of helicopters pursuing him. Where does he think he's going? I don't even know if he either knows about the helicopters yeah. or, frankly, cares. Uh, yeah. Well, at some point, though, you know, he's going to have to pull off. It, it's going to happen. The moment he does, the police will know exactly where he went because he's got a couple of news helicopters following him. Hell, the news helicopter just zoomed in on his license plate number. So now they know where he lives. I guarantee you they've already staged some people at his house or apartment or something like that. It's amazing. Like watching this, I I feel like I'm watching NASCAR. I honestly do. I hope this moron doesn't kill anybody. Well, in college football, the Wyoming Cowboys will try and pick up the pieces after a 33-16 defeat to San Jose State on Saturday night in Laramie. So the Pokes are 1-1 in Mountain West Conference play, 3-3 and overall. The UW defense was chewed up by the Spartan offense, and San Jose State had over 300 yards passing, so the screws really need to be tightened there. Cowboy offense with just 110 yards passing shared a native Parker Christensen did catch a TD pass, but on that end, there was really not a whole lot to write home about, and head coach uh, Craig Bull saw all those deficiencies firsthand. We got took to the woodshed. We got beat by a good football team. I knew it would be a challenge going in. Uh, We didn't play our best game, but I certainly don't want to take anything away from San Jose State. I think they've got an excellent team. For us, um, you know, we certainly need to improve up front uh, against, you know, a a hectic front that New Mexico is going to give us. I thought that was probably the first time I saw our offensive line uh, out of whack. So the Cowboys hit the road for New Mexico for a Saturday night game at 5 p.m. In the NFL, some really bad news for the Denver Broncos. They'll lose running back Javante Williams for the season. He suffered a severe knee injury in that 32-23 loss to Las Vegas on Sunday. Williams tore his ACL and his LCL. It's a big loss for the offense, and he was the team's leading rusher through the first three games of the season. Outside linebacker Randy Gregory could be out two to six weeks with a knee injury of his own. He joined the Broncos this season after signing a five-year $70 million contract after playing with Dallas last season. This is a less-than-ideal scenario for a Bronco team that has been playing less-than-ideal football, sitting at 2-2. Two and two. Denver has a short week. They'll play Indianapolis on Thursday. High school volleyball from over the weekend, first on Friday and 4 in the turnover Cheyenne East, three sets to two. Laramie B. Campbell County, three sets to none. Thunder Basin over South, three sets to none. Central over Sheridan, 3 nothing, And 1A Hewlett over Midwest, 3 nothing. On Saturday, Kelly Walsh over Riverton, 3 to none. Thunder Basin over Laramie, 3 none. Cheyenne East over Sheridan, 3 none. Natrona beat Central 3-0, and Campbell County over Cheyenne South 3 games to 1. In junior college volleyball, Casper College did absorb two more losses uh, over the weekends at LCCC in Cheyenne and to Eastern Wyoming and Torrington, so they're 4-21 and on the year. LCCC from Cheyenne is 11-9 after a win over Western.
Western Wyoming from Rock Springs uh, over the weekend as well. And that's it in sports. So uh, this guy has now just upped his trouble that he's about to get into here. This is really going to be bad. Uh, it's not just that he's a burglary or that he eluded police or that he's speeding. He's now driving in the carpool lane by himself. Oh. See, now, when they finally pull him over to that, they might just go Rodney King on the guy. You don't do that on a Los Angeles freeway because you know how much traffic that has. Those are vital arteries right there, those carpool lanes. Can you imagine, like, these, these L.A. commuters? who All they want to do is get from point A to point B. Yes. And then there's another idiot that wants to run from the cops? Uh-huh, yeah, okay. Well, I'll let you know if they catch the Yeah, well, please. You know, they are going to catch the guy. Oh, yeah. I'll let you know how they catch the okay, guy. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks. Coming up on some local business, we have to take care of. Oh, no, there's no way this guy's getting away. Fast as he's gone so far, it's 105 miles an hour for just a moment. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Six of time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Sitting in the studio with me is Kansi, Kathy Thompson, co-chair for Reese Across America. And her job is not just to tell you about Reese Across America, but if you see something exciting on the television, because we're both sitting here watching the car chase, you just call it out to me, and we'll go ahead and tell everybody what's going on. They haven't stopped him yet, but it's come close a couple of times. For those who don't know, we talk every year about this. What is Reese Across America? Well, Reese Across America is a nationwide nonprofit organization whose goal is to place Christmas wreaths throughout the United States or overseas where any of our soldiers are buried. Now, here in Natrona County, my goal with my uh, group called Natrona County Republican Women, our goal is to place as many wreaths as uh, our veterans here buried in our own community. Okay, so these wreaths you were telling me come from. Well, they come from Maine. We. Wreaths Across America being the nonprofit, they it started when they were laying wreaths at Arlington National Cemetery, and they and they they call it the longest parade because they bring those wreaths down and lay them at Arlington, and and people saw this and started wanting to participate in the family. They just had done that on their own dime, and and then they and with more people wanting to help, they uh, started the nonprofit. Okay. Oh, you did mention truckers bring in those that's a volunteer thing isn't yes it? it's t- volunteers uh it's amazing but many trucking uh trucking companies throughout the united states bring those wreaths on their own dime we've had some amazing people bring them here to casper now they have a walgreens truck driver who requests to bring them here to natrona county which is amazing because it's during the winter season it's in december not always the best weather conditions but these people it, you know you touch their hearts they touch ours when they bring those wreaths in and we uh we do a real big deal with with uh, an escort a police escort into town and uh, just so many volunteers we've had up to a thousand people come to help us lay those wreaths wow. okay now you have a special event coming up and that's going to be was it this Friday or Saturday? this Friday this October seventh five thirty at the Ramcota and this is what raises the money to put the Christmas wreaths on the veterans graves we purchase four thousand two hundred here for Natrona County we place three thousand at Oregon Trail that's the state veterans cemetery we place a thousand at Highland Cemetery and then another two hundred at Memorial Garden. So we, what we do on those days, which will be December 17th, we request the families or friends or just volunteers to come pick up a wreath. We, we go to those veterans' graves. We, we thank them for their service, and we lay that wreath. Okay. And you will have at this event on Friday, I'm really impressed with him. I'd like to meet this person myself, very special speaker. Well, he's an Army Ranger, Joe Kapachewski. He is a Master Sergeant, and he's the first Ranger to return to battle with a prosthetic. Mm-hmm. On his fifth tour in Iraq, he 
was injured with a uh, grenade and sir, uh, spent seven months at Bethesda um, with forty over 40 surgeries on his leg. And ultimately, he said, I need you just to amputate from the knee down. This isn't working. I won't be able to return to battle like this. And they said, well, you're not going to return to battle. And he said, oh, yes, I am. And so he actually served, served six more tours with a prosthetic. Wow. He he is a special ops army ranger. He is an amazing um, soldier, and he also is a is a motivational speaker in, around the country. But he's willing to come here to Wyoming. He has some connections to Wyoming. He loves Wyoming. He loves hunting. He um, is an archery guide, uh, guides mm-hmm. for archery hunters. And um, but he's still involved with our government. He's actually a government consultant for us. So back in the Middle East, quite a bit and things. But he he's just. Uh, Somebody pretty special, and we're okay. so lucky to have him in Wyoming. You're inviting veterans to this? We're inviting veterans. We've had um, several generous p- people here in, in Casper donate the money of $500 per table. So we have over seven tables that are going to honor our living veterans. We want to honor our living as well as our veterans that have passed away. So this is one of the ways we do that. We'll have, I believe, over almost 80 veterans that will be um, invited from many different organizations or just they served at one time and they're here to we're um, here to have a seat and honor uh, honor our evening and and help to raise some money for our wreaths okay so people who want to attend this event on friday what do well, they need to do they can go ahead and call um victoria and her number is 307-277-1748 or myself at 703-362-0264 uh, we are a uh, um, getting pretty close to the deadline on when we can have um, more guests. We have over 300 people um, coming. We also, I forgot to tell you, Glenn, we have a um, our very own Shiloh Buckholz, who is an a Wyoming Air National Guardsman, and she was deployed um, a year ago to help with um, vetting the Afghanistanian people that came to our country because they had helped us over there in the Middle East, and they, they were in, um, came into New Jersey, and it was called Operation Allies Welcome. And she also has quite a story to share as okay. a, our featured speaker. Just some of the speakers that will be there. Now, I want to ask, like I always do when, whenever you come in and talk about this, for those people who would like to help in some way mm-hmm. with either getting the reefs or laying the reefs, what, whatever job might need to be done, this is in December when you're going to do this. Yes, December 17th. So usually about the 15th of December, uh, these wreaths are delivered with a um, semi-truck, and then we have to unload them so we can always take, you know, use the help there from Casper College veterans to the Evansville Police Department and Fire Department. They all help unload, but we can always use more folks there just unloading those wreaths. And then we um, will be uh, laying them on December 17th at 10 a.m. at Oregon Trail Veterans Cemetery at noon at Highland and then one thirty at um, Memorial Gardens, but we can we really want people to come to that event. That's the main event, which is is the least we can do for that one percent who raised their hand for the ninety nine percent of us who are so lucky to live in this country. Right. Okay. So if people want to find out more, there's usually a website they can go to. Um, sure, they can go to Reese Across America, the nationwide website. But okay. as far as um, here in Natrona County, I would suggest calling those numbers of Victoria or myself or um, Natrona County Republican women. Now, this is not a political issue or deal. We are right. there to, to honor our veterans, which um, we can all agree that we owe them that. And so um, not a dime that we 
you know, when you buy a $15 wreath, that goes for a wreath, Mm -hmm. you know. So so all we do is continue to purchase more wreaths whenever anybody makes a donation or we make a profit um, with the with the food, the ticket. The tickets are $60 a ticket or a table of eight for $500. And once again, for the table or the tickets, they go where? Uh, they should they should contact uh, Victoria at 307-277-1748. Okay. I'll keep those numbers here. That'd be so great. So if somebody calls here and wants those numbers, we can go ahead and give it to them and make sure that – well, I'll hand it over to Miss Mary. So uh, she can go ahead and pass on the information. Again, that's all going to happen this Friday. Can we have you back in and we get closer to replaying time? Sure. That'd be great. And we're just so fortunate. We have the Civil Air Patrol, the Patriot Guard Riders, the Natrona County and Kelly Walsh ROTC cadets, sports teams, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, student council, church groups, educational sororities, so many people in – this very patriotic mm. county come out to lay those wreaths. Uh, we also have Senator Jim Anderson who um, purchases a hundred wreaths on his own dime. He and his right. wife Susan, and they go up to KC and honor those veterans. I was there. about to say, for if you're listening, because right now you're mainly talking to people in the Toronto County area, right. but there's listeners on different radio stations all oh, across sure. the region. Yeah, chances are this is happening in your region. So if you go to Wreaths Across America, mm-hmm. the national website, you should be able to look up your area. Absolutely. And if you don't have it going on in your area, I bet you can set it up. Sure. And I, I'm certainly willing to help with that. I've done that with Sheridan and uh, Gillette folks. But um, there are uh, many different places around Wyoming where mm-hmm. a number of wreaths are ordered and then placed. Cody, Gillette, um Riverton, yeah. but we we are fortunate in Natrona County with um, three cemeteries and so many patriotic people. We we have been lucky enough to uh, be honored by the national organization because of the forty two hundred wreaths we order for here. But I'm certainly willing to help any any organization that would like to do it in their community. It's done in Cheyenne, also. All right, thank you for coming in this morning. Thank you so much, Glenn. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Nine twenty-one's the time. Let's wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Getting quite a few comments here about the car chase thing that I was talking about. Like I got distracted, and I admit it. But there's there's actually a point that I'm making with the whole car chase thing. So uh, what I have here on the ridiculously large television they put in my studio, it's off on my right hand side. So I have to turn slightly to the side to take a look at it, and I keep on what's called Fox News Raw. And it's just raw video from around the country and around the world of what's going on. And many times, they have more than one screen going. They have several windows at once open up on one television. So I can watch raw video from around the world on news. And that actually is better than watching commentators and biased reporters and so on, right? So here's a Los Angeles, California car chase. Man, they've gotten good at these things because they have quite a few car chases in Los Angeles, California. So this says – now, this is how high-tech they've gotten with this, with the television news stations. They've got a helicopter up. Grandpa Rich, you're right. There's more than one helicopter chasing it. Besides a police helicopter, there's several news station helicopters chasing this guy. So there's nowhere he can go that he's not going to be seen. There's all these helicopters up there. This chase has been going on for over an hour that I've seen it. Burglary suspect. Four-door sedan. And not only do they have at the top a scroll going of where he is, he's now at exit 17B, Downey and Norfolk Streets. He's on the interstate here going through traffic in Los Angeles, California. 
and it shows they have up in the right-hand corner how fast he's going. Yeah, the ticking away is how many miles an hour he's going. Now, the slowest I've seen was 19 miles an hour in a construction zone, a lot of heavy traffic. Fastest I saw is he got into an open area and got up to 105 for a moment. At the moment, his front passenger side tire is gone. He's been riding on the rim for quite a while. And he's still going like 80-some miles an hour on the rim of that front passenger side tire. His back bumper is dragging way behind him like he has a tail. There's a police officer behind him in an SUV. But the police are really not pushing this. They're really not. They don't have to. They have found over time, the police have, that getting into high-speed pursuits like this is very dangerous, not just for the police officers, the suspect, but all the citizens out there. So the police officer is just hanging back and following him. Because if the guy has lost not just his bumper, but his front passenger side tire has been gone for a while. And I think he just lost his rear passenger side tire as well. Pieces of the car keep falling off. Helicopters following him all over the place. Where is he going? So all that the police have to do is just wait for this to come to an end. At some point, either his car falls apart or he runs out of gas or traffic gets so... Here it is. He's in such congested traffic right now. He's now down to five miles an hour. The cop did not stop him. The cop just stayed behind him. Now, let's see if they do that little pincer maneuver. They make the guy spin out. Nope. The cop backed off. And I'm watching. The cop is real close here, but still, uh, they finally got up to like 30, 40 miles an hour. The cop is not trying to do anything dangerous because there's other cars all over the place. And again, they don't want that kind of trouble. They've done that before. It's a big mistake. At some point, this guy is done. So the police try to stage ahead of what's going on. All of this is very interesting to watch how the police do this these days. They will get this guy. There's no up. Oh, the bumper is completely gone now. There's no doubt that this guy is not getting away. Here's what gets me, though. The television news channel out of Los Angeles, California, is making this look like a damn NASCAR race with all of the different camera angles from their different helicopters. With the, uh, I got, I'm impressed with not just the pilot of the helicopter sticking with this guy, but I'm impressed with the cameraman who has had the camera steady on this vehicle. And I mean steady. The image, the vehicle is not moving all over the screen. It's like almost a steady, mostly center shot of the television screen the entire time. That's impressive, right? Then all of the information that they have, he's now on California Highway 91 West, exit 15A, Lakewood Boulevard, Downey, Norwalk area. He's going 45 miles an hour. I mean... And there's more information besides that. That's what I'm saying. The local television station, boy, over the years they've realized that ratings for car chases like this in Los Angeles, California, can go really high. And so because of that, they've made this thing out to be as exciting as it can possibly be. It is just to me, and I like this. (laughs) Miss Mary and I are having a conversation. 
as I point out that the vehicle is just falling apart on this guy. He's now down two tires on the passenger side, riding on the rim. He's smoking. The bumper is gone. Okay, he's doing 78 miles an hour. And Miss Mary says to me, if nothing else, he is committed. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I answered her, if he was only as committed about getting and keeping a job, <laughs> then he wouldn't be in this position anymore. Now, the vehicle must be getting heated up at some point because he he's driving a four-door sedan, right? He just opened up the sunroof. Well, he wiped out. He wiped out and just hit the back of a semi-truck. He's out of the vehicle. And now this is really dumb. Now he's he's trying to run on foot. There's Okay, I see there's two of them now. Okay, that takes that charge away. I thought that they were going to get in a lot of trouble because it was in the carpool lane driving uh, single, just one guy in a carpool lane. No, there's two of them. So it was okay that they were in the carpool lane. Now they're both running across the interstate trying to get away from the police. The problem is the interstate, since you're talking about Los Angeles, you know, they have walls on the side of the interstate. So they're having trouble climbing over that. There's helicopters all over the place. Now, okay, they're trying to carjack somebody. That didn't work out. Nope. They're still on foot. Now they've, okay, now they're getting tired of running. Now, what's funny is as they, they're running again, what's funny here is as they're running when I was telling you how fast the car was going because they have a speedometer thing, yeah, now I can see how fast they're running because it's still got the speedometer going. Okay, they find up, oh, they're giving up. Zero miles per hour. <laughs> when they were running, their top speed was 12 miles an hour. That was impressive. It actually said that on the screen. Okay, the cops have them down, the cops are cuffing them. <laughs> This has gotten so high-tech, it's just absolutely amazing. Okay, the cops got him with no problem at all because, again, where are they going? The cops just chased him until the car wore out, until they wore out from running, and we're done. Coming up on 930, let's wake up Wyoming. Nine thirty-six at the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Thanks for bearing with me through the whole car chasing. It was just amazing to me. The presentation of it by the local news station is what got me more than anything else. But then also, I'm always amazed at these guys who are being chased by police in cases like that. Where are they going? Nowhere. They're, obviously, they're not going to make it anywhere. They might as well just stop. So, to me, the presentation by the local TV station was just fascinating. All right. We're getting close to, and we're in that month already, Halloween decorations going up everywhere. You know miss about Halloween as a kid? Bobbing for grapes. No, the pranks and tricks. Yeah, I remember those days well. We used to always go pumpkin smashing. Yeah, so we would go around with like a fresh pumpkin, and we would plug up all the jack-o'-lantern holes that they made, like cut a triangle out and put it in the eye. Classic. Well, uh, we also did a bunch of egging. We, well, we did, like, we would cook the eggs and make, like, a French omelet and then, like, plate it up real nice and put it on their doorstep just because of salmonella and stuff. We also did uh, ding-dong ditching. Uh, what's that one? <laughs> Where you ring the doorbell and run away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I guess we would do, like, a ding-dong douse. We would board up their doors and windows and cut their phone line, and we would douse their front lawn in kerosene and light it on fire. And, like, all they could do was watch. 
Happy Halloween. Yeah. But, dude, Ding Dong Ditch? I wish we'd thought of that. Okay. So, yeah, I got more of these as we get closer to Halloween because, as you know, if you listen to this program long enough, I'm born just before Halloween. I'm an October 30th baby, just before Halloween. My favorite holiday. Holiday season is upon us. And I'm not talking about the boring ones where we overeat and argue with family members. I'm talking about the fun one, the one where we let our kids threaten people for dessert. I'm here to tell you the story of Halloween. Like everything that eventually goes off the rails, it all started in Europe. It's a way for people to explain death and or weather. And I'm not talking about the fancy part of Europe with the nifty goatees and man wigs. I'm talking about the muddy parts of Europe with the burlap clothing and rickets. It all started with the festival of Samhain. And if you're wondering how to spell that, you're wrong. It was a time when they didn't understand seasons, so they gave them dumb names like Equinox and Solstice. We know now that those names should be used for gyms and cycling studios. Seasonal affective disorder meant that you had been attacked by wolves last winter, and Samhain was a way for Celtic people to mark the change of their seasons. Their enemies, the Laker people, did not participate. I assume because they're in LA, where there are no seasons. It happened every year at the end of October or as they called it, the beginning of November, when the elders told them what they should be frightened of, sort of like we now do with cable news networks. Legend had it, this was when the dead would come to seek revenge on their enemies. Nowadays, we don't really have enemies. We have people who voted differently, frenemies, and those who don't follow us on Instagram. And they did stupid things like going door to door asking for food, wearing masks to keep demons from recognizing them, and carving out turnips, which is like a pumpkin for people without taste buds. They would put out plates of food to placate unwelcome spirits. My only experience with unwelcome spirits is my inability to handle tequila. In modern day America, we better understand the concepts of weather and death. So now we use scary stories mostly to stop teens from having sex at summer camp. Science has taught us that turnips are stupid. So now we use classier vegetables, like pumpkins. To reduce our carbon footprint, we use the whole pumpkin, like a responsible society. Some of the lonelier among us even befriend pumpkins by giving them a face and naming them Jack. This was unheard of in olden times when pumpkins primarily served as prosthetics for headless people. In the past, we feared things we couldn't understand, like bad haircuts, autonomous bedding, and women in power. And while technology has allowed us to do amazing things, like turn vegetables into candy, social media has made everyone believe they're an expert at everything. And that's opened our eyes to the scariest thing of all, real life. Because isn't a wolf man really just a hairy dude? But how much scarier would he be? if he was on Facebook able to opine about women's issues. We've learned that a raven saying nevermore at your chamber door is not nearly as scary as a human tweeting on the toilet, and that neither of those things will ever be as repulsive as a person who hands out carrot sticks to trick-or-treaters. And of course, we no longer dress up to ward off demons. As an intellectually advanced society, we dress up to attract them. Kids dress up as things like superheroes and princesses. Adults dress up as things like 70s cops and cops whose uniforms no longer fit. And dogs dress up mostly against their will. But more than anything, Halloween is about embracing the traditions of our ancestors and then figuring out a way to make them sexy. Except for that turnip thing. Who ever heard of a turnip spice latte? That tastes like progress. Happy Halloween, America. Yeah, so it's all going to be pumpkin spice stuff if it isn't already. I'm just saying. But now, to me, just remember now, as we get into the Halloween season, if somebody turns to you and says, 
that you can't wear that costume because it's offensive in some way or another. That means you're supposed to probably be wearing that costume. That'd be a good idea because the whole point of Halloween is to be able to get out there and have fun doing something mildly inappropriate. That's the fun of Halloween. It was the only holiday where I was allowed to leave the house at night with my parents' permission, go out in the dark, down the street to total strangers' houses and knock on their doors and ask for candy. That's the only time of the year where that's acceptable. Now, is it not acceptable to knock on a stranger's door and ask for candy, let's say, in the middle of summer or in springtime? That's just weird. But who knows what kind of door you're going to be knocking on. That could lead to big trouble. But on that one night a year, perfectly safe and acceptable. 942, Wake Up Wyoming. Waking up on 